Well, hello and welcome back to Crosstalk. My name is Doug McClure and I'm so excited to be here uh, on another great Crosstalk night. And I just want to let you know how important Crosstalk is to me. And I'm, I'm about to bring John and talk to John about this. Uh, I just drove all the way from Florida and man, my arms are tired. No, I, 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 that's not how that joke goes. That's why I flew all the way here. But I drove away from Florida just so we could be here for Crosstalk because I miss John. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, or, or also, I was trying to rescue John since he was watching the boys, and uh, <laughs> we, we didn't we didn't want to lose John. So, uh, but uh, we got back, and we're glad to be here for crosstalks. John, how was your week? Uh, exhausting. <laughs> Mentally, yeah, parent, spiritually. Man, parenting is a something, isn't it? Yeah, it. You know, uh, usually you get to work into it. I just got teenage boys just thrust upon me, so it was uh, it was a challenge, but it was it was it was fun. They uh, reminded me I'm not young uh, anymore. <laughs> And, and that's a statement. And I, I realize there's people out there that are going to comment like, oh, well, you know, if only you were my age. And it's just like, I don't want to be, though. <laughs> well, what's great is every time you're here, they, they find new things to watch on YouTube. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. You broaden the that. horizons every time. <laughs> so, so uh, no, well, today we got a special guest with us all the way from North Carolina. Isn't that awesome? Ooh, that's the advantage of Crosstalk. We're not just a local show. We're a show with value. And so we've we we have spared no expense and brought in some of the best guest hosts I think we've ever had this week, and oh. uh, we're excited <laughs> to have him with us. And uh, this is well, I'm going to bring him out. This is Major. I'm going to say major. We need a drum roll sound, don't we? Need a drum roll sound. Yeah, we need Major. And this is Major Curtis Kratz. Look at this. Yeah, thank you, thank you. This is awesome. So um, I, I have to tell you, I, I I've known Curtis uh from a distance is the best way to describe our our relationship. I, uh, we've seen each other at events and stuff like that. We've talked, we've hung out. He has beautiful children. We, we, we had a chance to do childcare at Bible conference. So we got a chance to see his, his girls grow up. And, uh, so him and, and we got to see him and his lovely wife all the time. So we kind of, we've never been in the same state together. Maybe one day I'll get lucky enough to get, get to go to North Carolina or Curtis will be blessed enough to come to course to Georgia because I've been here for 19 years. So apparently I'm not going anywhere, which is fine because Georgia's great. And I'm paid to say that. Uh, but uh, it's great to be here, and it's great to have. So, Curtis, tell us a little about yourself, and, and tell us what your favorite thing about Crosstalk is, or just make it up. Favorite thing about Crosstalk, yeah. huh? All right. Well, of course, I'm a Major Curtis Kratz from the Salvation Army of New Bern. I am married. I have a beautiful wife, Sarah Kratz. I've been married to her uh, for uh, this June will be 18 years. Uh, wow. We have two uh, beautiful daughters, Emma Kratz and Elizabeth Kratz. And trust me, when you meet Emma, you know. You just know. I, uh, Doug's like, I don't know, but I, he knows Emma. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I sort of laugh, best host. That's really funny. You know, my mom and dad are the only people who watch me, except those other three people, when I mention that, get upset when I don't mention them. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not sure about the popularity. I'm just excited to be invited to any sort of podcast. But uh, so we've had the privilege of serving in the Salvation Army for uh, 15 and a half years. Uh, our journey it took us to Texas for four years, uh, where we served in McKinney and Plainview, Texas, where my uh, Emma was born. And then, of course, we've been able to serve in um, uh, North Carolina, where we served for four years in Asheboro, five years in um, Kenston. And now we're in our third year in New Bern, getting ready to finish three. So we've spent eight years on the eastern side of North Carolina. And so it, it has been a privilege. And East Carolina is, of course, a beautiful area, a lovely area with uh, lots of, of views and the beautiful, you know, uh, rivers that oftentimes flood during hurricanes. Yes. So, 
But uh, we got, you had a little hurricane action there a little a couple of years ago, didn't you? Yeah, uh, flooded our building. Uh, yeah, it was it was very it was very hard time, very struggle uh, for us, as a matter of fact. And so we 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 rebuilt, we, we were able to rebuild, we were able to be back in our core. And then, of course, you know, naturally, while we're here, COVID happened. So lots of uh, things have happened while we're in New Bern. So, uh, but we're excited. Uh, we love this place. We we love our people. And uh, we love God's word, and, and, and that's what we want to do, and we want to learn. And so I guess that's what Crosstalk is, right? Talking about Absolutely. God's word. I was asking how it all came to be, and it was literally, well, it was Bible study, and we were just trying to make sure we could get it uploaded. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's amazing. And we even talked a little bit about Star Wars and yes, uh, <laughs> John's uh, uh, podcast over there, because uh, I definitely, like uh, most people who see me know I love to run. And I mean, I, I, I call myself the oversaturation of nobody's listening to me every day. I do a video after I run. So on Monday, it's Mindful Monday on Tuesday. It's Clean Tuesday on Tuesday, Doug. I'm, I'm not in okay, my running okay, gear. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wow Wednesday, Thoughtful Thursday, Fact Friday, World Events Saturday, and Any Question Sunday, which nobody has ever asked me a question. So I add it babbling to it. So and <laughs> <laughs> and so those are kind of what I do, but I definitely like to watch YouTube and all sorts of videos. I don't know that that's healthy, but I love watching it. But then I catch people, I catch lots of things. You you learn a lot and you get a lot of different perspectives and point of views uh, when you listen to different people. Yeah. So now yeah. Curtis and I have something in common. I don't know if you know this, but we actually have the same anniversary. Flag day. Flag day. Uh, exactly. June 14th. Now to different people, we're not married to each other. Uh, Curtis is too good for me, and I, I'm, I can accept that. <laughs> but uh, we actually have the same anniversary. Uh, we got married on the same day. Uh, not obviously not in the same place because that'd have been really crowded. But uh, it was probably you know, close. We got married in Jonesboro, Georgia. You're talking about Georgia. I have all sorts of woo. connections in Georgia. Yeah, it, ours is Atlanta. We were we were at the temple, so you know it wasn't far at all. So yeah, but I, I, we really I realized that a couple years ago. Yeah, that we had the exact same uh, anniversary date. I mean, the exact same date. Yeah, I mean, it's just like wow. So you get uh, married at two. If you got married at two p.m., we can just call at the same time. I think we're three. <laughs> uh, I think it was a little later, but uh, yeah, you know, close. Well, you know, at the tra- when you get married after you get out of training, everybody gets married right on those days. So you oh, know, yeah. Well, all, both both of our sessions were still there, so it was good to go. So uh, it's exciting to be here. So thank you so much. Thank you. Please tell Sarah, give Sarah our love, and thank you so much for letting us borrow you for an hour. And uh, we're excited to have you here. So uh, with that being said. We're going to ask our wonderful guest if you'd open us up in prayer. And then tonight, we have a special treat for you tonight. It's Psalm 23. So here we go. Let's Let's, pray it up, Major Kratz. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. Uh, We thank you for uh, your word. Uh, We thank you for those who dive into your word. Lord, we pray for our friends who are hurting today. We pray for our friends who are struggling today, Lord. We pray that if they're in the valley today, Lord, that you would give them comfort and know that there are green pastures for them, that you can feed them, that you can find them. And Lord, we pray as we we dive into this psalm that we're all so familiar with, but yet maybe not as familiar as we think, Lord, that we can learn and dive into your word in your holy name. Amen. All right. So we are going to be in Psalm 23. Uh, this is our third week in Psalms. Am I allowed to say Psalms in that context? As long as it's, I got in trouble once, right? When I was in college, I said, we're going to be reading Psalms 92 or something like that. It's not a Psalms. It's singular. It's a Psalm. Yeah. We in that context. Two weeks ago, yeah. Ken R got cleared it up, but then I think I got more confused. No, no. So, so anytime it's plural. So if you're reading the book of Psalms, it's plural. But if you're reading the book of Psalm 23, it's a Psalm. 
because it's just one psalm, right? Wow. Now, if you're talking about, um, we're going to be looking at psalms, right? So you can say it in the plural. So there you go. And, and Ken Argot, he's not as wise as everybody thinks he is. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we're close. I don't know if Ken and I are close enough to where I could say that. So I need to already issue an apology. Look, right away. <laughs> Ken is everywhere. So just be careful. But he's an Eagles fan, and three years ago we cheered together as the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Yeah, Praise yeah, the Lord! Yeah. yeah. There's a standing the apology. Georgia's every dog has its day. Yeah. Hey, well, we we waited a long time. <laughs> so here we are, Psalm 23, as Major Katz mentioned, a fairly well-known psalm from the Book Probably. of Psalms, uh, but a fairly well-known one. So uh, we're going to get a chance to share together, and just because I miss him and his beard itself. I'm going to see if John will give us a couple of verses. Now, our policy here, Curtis, is basically we're going to read through it. And when you get to a point you want to stop, just start making a noise or interrupt John or or, or make some Star Wars joke and he'll pause. So it's just how it works. There you go. <laughs> so here we go. Thanks, John. Yep. Psalm 23. Um, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green, green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of the righteous. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I actually got the whole through the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the first time here on Crosstalk we actually made it through the whole chapter. So, so I'm going to tell you something, and this is kind of, and and this is uh, typically what I do because we'll go back. One of the things that I learned is it's always good to read through it first before you start diving in. And for me, it's it's a little bit distracting when people do that when they're I'm like just let go go through it and we can dive back into the verses. Now that's just my style. I know everybody has different styles, so. That's kind of my thing. And obviously the Psalm is extremely short. It's not yeah, very yeah. long. I think a lot of times when we look at Psalm 23, we always associate it with funerals. I mean, it just, it just, every, everybody that every funeral that I've been to, I think Psalm 23 has been quoted in some form or fashion and sometimes read. But if you guys are okay, we can go back to kind of the first part. The Lord is my shepherd. Absolutely. And, uh, and what exactly does that mean to be a shepherd? Uh, uh, many years ago in the North Carolina division, I cannot remember his name, but if you talk to him, uh, I about called him Major Brett Cundiff, but if you talk to Captain Brett Cundiff, he could he could quote his name just like that. And, and I believe he actually goes to a Salvation Army now, um, but he actually studied shepherds overseas, what a shepherd was and how they took the sheep. And I'm telling you, it was it was long. And uh, it was hard to listen to, but if you caught the nuggets of what was being said about, hey, how serious they are when they have their 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 sheep and their goat and how wealth is derived from that, to understand exactly what a shepherd is and what a shepherd does. A shepherd protects his sheep. A shepherd guides his sheep. A shepherd keeps his sheep out of harm's way. And so right away, the psalmist who my Bible says in my New American Standard Bible says the psalmist is David, is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And of course, you can read through this and you know, I don't know when exactly it was written for, from David's perspective, but I imagine he had lived some life by now. I don't think this is young David. I think this is David who's been through some battles, who's been through some struggles, who's hidden in caves 
and has uh, gone to the bath, uh, has had his enemies go to the bathroom and not, you know, murder them with the opportunity. And so I think this is where David is in, in this, this time. And then it says this, I shall not want. Right. That's wow. important. I, I think it's important. I have a, a 13, 12 year old and a nine year old and they want. They want. And if we're honest and if we're honest about ourselves, we want. I'll let you guys dissect that. <laughs> well, yeah, or do I keep talking? <laughs> I said a lot. My, my grandfather always told me you have to know the difference between your needs and your wants. And uh, my wants, for some reason, always stacked up more than my needs did. And it's just kind of amazing to think about the fact that the Lord is my shepherd and what a shepherd does for a sheep. I mean, and the idea of a shepherd, the, the shepherd guides the sheep to good places. The shepherd uh, provides places uh, for them to eat, provides of safety, but he also gives his life. And then I would then when I, I I sat through a similar shepherd study, not for not for the same person you mentioned, but mentioned the fact that some shepherds would they would find an outcropping of rock and would lay across the front of it to form the actual gate or the door that kept the sheep from leaving, but it also kept the bad guys from coming in. So literally they are the wall between the sheep and the world. And when you think about what's going on in the world today, that's pretty humbling that God is our wall, our barrier, our buffer, our whatever we need between us and the world. Because there are days, guys, I ain't gonna lie to you, I need a buffer between me and the world. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yes, yeah. so when I think of shepherd, I mean, and it doesn't say that Jesus is my cowboy because cowboys also herd, they herd animals. But if you think about the difference between a cowboy and a shepherd, a shepherd uses that crook thing, which I always thought it was cool to have one of those, just going hooking different people. But cowboys use whips, they use spurs, they use all kinds of more damaging kind of things to, to get the, the animal's attention. So it's a shepherd as opposed to the, the Lord is my cowboy, which would make really cool. I guess you're from Texas. That would make, might get a little yeehaw on that one. You got to be careful with cowboys, right? What were the cowboys hurting the, the, when the cowboys were hurting the cows, they were leading them to slaughter, right? Yeah. The shepherd's not leading us to slaughter. And I think that is uh, obviously why you shouldn't cheer for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, throw that shot in there. And, uh, and the, uh, the truth is, when I look at this, but it also, you know, we talk about shall not want, but he also says he makes us lie down in green pastures. Now, uh, what is the name of your, your YouTube channel, John, about Star Wars? Nerd Herder. So Nerd Herder, if you go to Nerd Herder and you search YouTube and you watch it, his, his, his stuff about Star Wars, then what you can do is type in Psalm 23. Now, of course, I've had the privilege of being to Israel and uh, we'll get we'll get there in a minute. But when you watch these videos, they talk about this green pasture. And of course, when we hit, when we hear green pastures, there's a road that I would run down and I would look at the grass. And I mean, it was luscious and green. When we hear that, that's what I think. But when the psalmist is writing that, he's not talking about that. He's talking about I'm not going to be in want when that there's going to be green for the, the sheep to eat just a little to make sure that he's sustained. I would say that our needs are pretty much. Are you fed? Are you sheltered? Are you clothed? Everything else is a want. You know, heat to want. I know that sounds crazy to some people, but God never promised me heat. God never promised me air conditioner. God never promised me those things. God promised me that he would protect me and guide me and give me a way. And I think that is um, 
definitely something to kind of keep in mind when we're when we're looking at that and we're processing that. And it's very interesting when when you watch those videos about how very little green is actually there in this place that we are about to talk about in a, in a few verses. Um, and you see it and you understand kind of all of the things that are happening. Like you also you also have to make sure we're we're taking the psalm into context because it's very important. A lot of people it's really easy to read into it, to, to eisegete, you know, but obviously our objective is to exegete, to draw out of that scripture in what we're saying and, and reading so that we understand it. And so I, I love I absolutely love the psalms. I, uh, I read them every day. Well, I try to read them every day. I kind of have this system. And, you know, if you do it right, if you read a psalm a day, you can read through them twice and get through 60 more in a year. Wow. Yeah. Where are you at, John? Come on. You, you, this has been the quietest you've been on a crosstalk episode since I've been. Since I've been <laughs> no, on the I'm, show. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm soaking up and I'm enjoying. No, but. um. No, when I was when I was reading through this though, uh, and and kind of as has been highlighted before, though, like this points me to like the passage in like John, ten when he talks about you know being the good shepherd and everything and what comes with that, and immediately proceeding talking about you know I am the good shepherd, he talks about how, you know it's that comparison in John ten ten I come that you would have life life abundant, you know enemy comes to steal kill and destroy it's all this like shepherd imagery. Um, for Jesus and our relation to him and thereby our relation to God. And so it's, it's an interesting point uh, and an interesting connection. We just finished talking about Psalm 22 last week, which was very messianic and everything like that. But um, everything here, you know, it's, it's this, it's this big praise and this big, you know, worshipful kind of uh, posture, which is very different from Psalm 22. Um, But, but it's, it's, paints this picture of all the reasons, you know, we have to be comforted in whatever we're going through. You know, you, you mentioned like, you know, it, it's very referential with uh, funerals. I think of war movies. I, I, I don't know what one specifically, but I think of the one where it's just like, you know, they're going through the forests and they're all, you know, made up and it's definitely Vietnam and the, the young scared ones just reciting it for some reason. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> that's definitely going to protect you. Um, but you know, I, th- I think of figuratively, though, that's how we go through life. And, and, and this is, is definitely like a warm blanket of comfort to uh, whatever situations we might be going through. This idea of God as a shepherd, um, you know, it, it's definitely one of the biggest characteristics of God. I think that most people kind of illustrate him with uh, is as that shepherd. And when he talks about like the, the staff and the rod later on, you know, it talks about the it, the way I interpret it, the two different characteristics of God, you've got the, you know, rod, which is very disciplinary. Then you have the staff, which is very supportive. And and it's very much that, you know, it, it's not all about, um, like you mentioned with the Cowboys, it's not all about like, no, it's just to get you from point A to point B, because that's my job. No, it's, I, I want the best for you. I want to care for you. I value you. But because of that, I'm going to pop you when you go out of, of this way, but I'm also going to, you know, rescue you when you get stuck in that crevice. I'm, I'm, I'm your shepherd. So it's very vivid for being so short. Well, I like what we said earlier that, I mean, the difference between cowboys and shepherds is cowboys are there to take you and to where you're going to die. Shepherds, I mean, and that's one of the hardest things I think for me in ministry sometimes is we have to do these things. And sometimes we have to do hard things. We have to use the rod. Sometimes we have to do the guiding thing, but the whole purpose is to keep the sheep 
together to keep the sheep moving forward. And it's really easy to, to be critical or to be hard on people if you know they're going to be killed when you get to the end of the road. But to talk about keeping a group together and keeping them guiding in a, in a certain direction, it, it takes a balance that. It's what, it's what I always tell people. If you really want to know how to be a good leader, lead volunteers. It's one thing to lead employees because you're paying them to be there. Lead, an lead a volunteer who's not paid to be there and see what happens. If you can lead a group of volunteers and they keep coming back, okay, you've got something there. But it's a lot different when, when there are people that have another reason to come and be a part of that cycle. So, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to think about how important. I mean, obviously, this is a very comforting portion of Scripture because most people are familiar. Even people who are not church people are very familiar with Psalm 23. I mean, it, it, it's a very familiar psalm in that book. So, yeah. Good stuff, guys. Yeah, and as as you go on, it's it's very interesting when you when you get to the we talk about the green pasture because it says he leads me besides quiet waters, he guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake, and uh, it's interesting. Uh, I'm all about water around where I live, where we live. Uh, we have what's called brackish water, and I don't know if you know what that means, but brackish water means it's fresh and salt. And so what happens is our two rivers meet. We have two rivers meet that then flow into the sound, which is basically the ocean. Me and my mother-in-law were having an argument about what is and what isn't the ocean that flows into the sound. And then obviously you go into the Atlantic Ocean, but that water, that salt water flows into the river. But every time you watch the water, it, it, it moves. And if you understand how rivers move, they don't sit still. Right. Yeah. And so to see a quiet water, I'll never forget as we walked by the Jordan, um, when we were in Israel and how rushing it was. And when Susan said to us, and there are many people who've tried to jump in there and they've died. Right. Yeah. And so it's a loud place. Yeah. It's very busy. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. And so quiet waters, quiet waters. When you, when you have that stillness, like my daughters, every time we go over the, we go over water every day now and when we go over it, they'll look at the water and some days they'll say, well, that water's mad today. But then there's those days where it is just almost like you wouldn't even know that if you got in, that it would push you. But even even no matter when you get into a river, no matter how quiet it is, it will always push you. It will never you will never not go with the river. And, and that's something to kind of understand. Like we went, I forgot where we were in Georgia, but we went somewhere this past summer to one of the places, I think it's like High Point Rock or something like that. And it's just a little creek. But even that little creek, because it was being pushed from a river, pushed you. It wasn't a hard push and it was a quiet river and lots of kids were running down the rocks and slipping down the rocks. And if you weren't careful, boom, it was good. So when you sit by the quiet waters, it it helps us move quietly and smoothly down kind of this, uh, this river. And I think that's kind of something that you can look at when you're kind of understanding. And I'm all about kind of how, how is it then what's being said and how can we apply it now? And the reality is that what you were talking about is the world is the rushing river. They are. The world is the rushing river. They're yelling. They're screaming. They're mad. They're angry. They want everybody to come to their point of view. And the quiet water is saying, God telling us, hey, just be still. I wow. control the waves. I control uh, this world. You don't have to be conformed to it. Just follow me. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Worry about what I'm calling you to do. Yeah. Well, and, and it's a really interesting parallel to how, you know, Jesus himself calmed 
you know, the raging sea and the storm and everything, because, you know, a more literal translation of this is actually restful waters. So, it, you know, it's this idea of when you're with him, it's that, it's that peace. It, it has a, you know, it's that peace beyond understanding. And we always think of that, you know, as it applies to tragedy and everything and it, as it applies to us, but it applies to all of creation. It applies to everything. There's nothing that God cannot bring peace into. And, and like, that's something easy to grab onto and say sometimes, but you know, that that's exactly where, and we talked about meditating on scripture uh, last week. That's where like meditating on these kinds of verses is important because it keeps that in the forefront of us is like, this is who God is. God brings peace to everything that doesn't necessarily just like in the beginning, it doesn't necessarily mean it goes the way you want, but he brings peace to it. Yeah. You know, you're talking about the walking on the water and, uh, you know, have you ever heard the phrase, uh, you know, I'm not perfect. I can't walk on water. Mm-hmm. You heard that phrase. I often find that very interesting because I can walk on water. Right. And you may say, what did you just say, Major? Right <laughs> now? I'm not saying that I physically can go walk on water, but someone who was extremely imperfect walked on water. And we forget that. Right. We totally forget that someone who is imperfect walked on water. And in that storm, that person was Peter. And in that storm, Peter walked on water because, number one, Jesus called him to the water. So if Jesus calls me to walk on water, I can do it. This is my faith, right? I believe as long as I keep my eyes on Jesus and he says to me, come to me, I can walk on water. That I think we've taken that phrase and kind of made it uh, an improper phrase. Now, Jesus is the only one who can keep me up from drowning in the water. But obviously, imperfect people can walk on water when their eyes are focused on Jesus and he's calling for us to come to him. Now, obviously, we know the rest of the story and we could we could really digress there. And I don't want to leave the psalm. But um, I just thought, you know, when you said that, what what you kind of think about kind of that aspect. And I know, Doug, don't worry, I'm not saying I'm perfect because I'm far from it. All you have to do is talk to my wife, my children, and you know, <laughs> two thirds of my core members. They will let you know how imperfect I am. Well, you don't need two thirds of my core members, dude. They'll all tell you around here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I, hey, man, I'm April is one of my favorite people. Even though I call her a traitor, she speaks highly of you. Ah, uh, well, you know, we love April. Um, uh, she's a good, she's a good girl. We appreciate having her around. Well, we're at that halfway point, so we're gonna pause for a second, <laughs> and it's time to get to know our guest. So we have a fun question we're going to ask, and we're going to go around the panel around the room and, and ask the question. So I found a strange one for you because I'm celebrating Curtis Crack today, and I also wanted to find a strange question to answer. So here's our question of the day. Would you rather have your face printed on money or your own small town named in your honor? Oh, definitely my own small town. That's that's easy. I don't what need to Curtis be on. Land? What would be called? <laughs> it would just be called Curtis. You know, Curtis Kratz. We got to make sure we have Curtis Ray Kratz, Curtis the town Ray. of Curtis Ray Kratz, because we can't get confused because, you know, there's all sorts of Curtises all over the world. That's true. Curtis Honda, Curtis Toyota, Curtis Media Market. No, it needs to be Curtis Ray Kratz, but it would definitely be my own small town, right? And in that town, it would just be inclusive to anybody who just wants to use uh, the, just to come in, right? Everyone's welcome. That's <laughs> Yeah, Craftsland, that's a good, that's a good, maybe an amusement park we would add to it, some roller okay. coasters, right? Yeah, now I need to ask Craftsland. Okay. Now I need to ask you something, right? Because I I I I'm I'm putting out your secrets. They gave us this email about kind of this intermission, and they said, and maybe our sponsors, and we don't have any. So if I give you five dollars, can I become your sponsor? You know, so you mention yes. my name yes. every week. Yeah. So I'll just mail my five dollars in the mail. 
and say, yeah, it's, 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 this section is sponsored by Major Curtis Kratz, right? <laughs> now, and the Kratz be, family. It would be $5 weekly. Oh, weekly. So, oh. <laughs> Well, you'd have to tell me what you'd have to tell me what you're spending it on for that. Like how many? That'd be that'd be a lot of money. I'm a sponsored <laughs> nerd Don't even get a shout out. I mean, so I understand the pain. You get a you get a all all patrons get a shout out every. Episode. That's right, and you got to go to the live feeds, Doug. That's when you go into yeah, the super I'm chats. Come on, on. The live feeds before Christmas. I remember the live feed. That's right. You, you got to be a super chatter, man. Come on. You don't even know how this works. All right, Wilcox, <laughs> where are you at? You on the money? You're on the hometown. Uh, I'll take the money. Technically, I'm already. I've already got an airport named after me, so um, oh, people don't pay see, attention to the money. <laughs> I mean, there's a I John Wayne airport. I'm just. I believe they changed the name, brother. It's gone. Ooh. Did they really? I know they were talking about it because Ooh. of extenuating circumstances. Yeah, it's gone. So, <laughs> cancel culture strikes again. Oh. But um, I have my opinions about cancel culture. I have to so, preface that. But anyway. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I, people don't pay attention to their money. Half the people can't even name what president's on what bill anymore. So, I mean, if my my ugly mug's on there, I think I can get away with that. I don't plan on getting stopped in the road uh, and getting asked to sign dollar bills because, number one, that's illegal. Um, and number two, I look like most white guys. So good luck finding me. <laughs> so would it be every bill or just be certain bills you'd have your picture on? Um, I would want to be printed on... I want to be printed on the ten dollar bill. Who's, okay. current, who's on the ten dollar bill? Why the ten dollar bill? Uh, you know what? Who is? Uh, no, Jack Jackson's the twenty, right? Yeah, Hamilton's yeah. on the ten. See, I want to. I want to be Lin Manuel Miranda now. I, oh, I am Hamilton. Geez. <laughs> if it gets, if it also gets me a live show. <laughs> That people pay hundreds of dollars to come see, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> well, people. That man is very talented. Was that? They pay the, they pay money to come to Crosstalk. That is true. Well, they pay the um, utility bill. You know, you should definitely question your life choices at that point. <laughs> You're paying for Crosstalk. You need to think about yourself. Exactly. So yeah, I thought about this, and my answer, of course, we're we're not surprised. It would have to be a, a town named in my honor. Uh, I have already made offers to Augusta to be renamed Doug. <laughs> Um, so far, nobody's taking me up on it. I mean, I think the Doug National would it, would it be a great golf tournament. Welcome to the Doug National. Well, you need to go talk to the Bel Air people, and maybe you can just get the street named after you first, man. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Who wants my to wife loves Doug? that steak and shake right there, man? Right Who off Bel Air. Down Doug. Yeah. Where well, you know, he was a cartoon, Doug. Uh, there probably see, there probably is a town named Doug though. He ruined um, it for everybody. That cartoon Doug ruined it for everybody. He ruined it for all the Dugs. There's a whole thing. I mean, yeah, we, what? We, we we have a Doug convention once every ten years, and we talk about that guy. So it ruined it for everybody. So I really like that cartoon, man. I, you're kind of insulting my childhood there. Man. It was Doug it was, was a good one. Yeah. Well, I, I'm everybody sure we're pretty close in like age, Steven. so I mean, you know, it, we're, we're good. <laughs> so yeah, so we we've got we've got two towns and one money. Nobody's surprised. John loves the money. So uh, I got bills so, to pay, man. So please, in the comments below, please share. Uh, would you rather have your face printed on money or your own small town named in your honor? And if you give us a reason why, and if you use Lin Manuel Miranda in a quote, I will judge you and your life choices. But please feel free to share whether you'd rather have your name printed on money or whether you'd have your own small town named in your honor. And we love to hear from our wonderful fans across talk. This is the top rated Salvation Army show at six o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So we're very proud of that, and we work hard. Um, we're the only show 
for the Salvation Army at 6 o'clock on Thursday at Eastern Standard Time. But still, we're very proud of that. So uh, thanks so much for sharing. And uh, let's get back to what we're here for to talk about um, the Word. And what's interesting about this next section for me is not only does he, he guides me in places, but he guides me along right paths. You know, and I think about all the times in my life where I've taken, I've gone different ways, or I've steered different ways, or I've traveled going my own road. And now I realize more and more that it's really about following the way that God is guiding me down those right paths. So that, for me, that's where I get this kicked back off because it brings honor to his name. So uh, I'll just throw that back to the group and see where we're at on there. You know, it's interesting. Oh, do you, were you going to say something, John? I'll let you speak. Oh, well, I was just going to say that was actually uh, where I was going to sit at with um, before we went to our, our break is that that part that I think people kind of pass over uh, pretty quick. All the rest of this sounds really great, but it's, you know, in for his name's sake, that really kind of anchors uh, all of it. You know, the reason he's a good shepherd is for his glory, you know, um, and, and at the same time, the reason we are sought through like all of it, whether it be, you know, the quiet waters or the valley of uh, the shadow of death. Again, it's all for his glory. That's why he is the good shepherd that he is. And I think sometimes we we forget to carry that with us wherever we're going, whether we are by the quiet waters. You know, we forget that it's for God's glory, whether we're being, you know, guided through the hard times. We forget that it's for God's glory. It, it kind of becomes this Joyce Meyer, what about me kind of pity party when, you know, we've we've lost sight that we're being brought through this for a reason you know, uh, we're made by God for God. So all, all that we do, everything that he does, uh, with us and through us and for us, it's all for him. It's for his glory and his kingdom. You know, I, I totally agree with you, you know, and, uh, it's interesting when you read that, uh, pass of righteousness and for his name's sake, it's interesting that you say that because one of the things that we have a huge issue with and I, and Christians, Christians have a major issue with this. And I'm about to attack Christians and I don't mean to attack Christians because I know it's hard. Right. <laughs> right. But well, it's a little different. Right. And I would say the secular world has the same issue. They, they, they believe they have a monopoly on morality, right? This kind of aspect of it, morality. And of course, what we do is we tend to, we tend to do this, Right. If you agree, you need to agree with me and I'm always right. And it, it, I'm always right because I, basically everything God tells me is this. These are all God's morality. I said this last night in Bible study. I was like, you know, there are things that I probably think are OK that God probably doesn't because I'm not arrogant enough to think that. Right. But there are lots of people. If you think everything you think God's OK with and everything you think that God's not OK with then who do you make yourself to be? And what the Bible tells us is clearly the Bible tells us not once, not twice. I think four or five different times. There's not none. There's none righteous. There's zero righteous, not one, which leads us for his name's sake, right? He leads me to the path of righteousness because of his namesake. Now, David didn't know Jesus. Now, of course, we often say, well, of course he knew Jesus. No, he knew God. He understood what God's promise was. He understood what God's son was going to be. I think he understood prophetically that there would be uh, the promise to come. But here is this aspect of David saying this path of righteousness, knowing he, he knew he wasn't righteous. David was well aware he wasn't righteous. And he got in trouble when he thought he was. It's when he got all sorts of issues when this happened. And so 
the reality is that we're not righteous. We don't own the key to morality. Christians don't own the key to morality. And we need to stop pretending like we do. And I think that, and when I say that, when I say we, I mean me. I need to stop pretending like I have the answer to all morality. There's lots of morality stuff that goes out into the stratosphere. And I mean, there's lots of debates within the Salvation Army about how should we handle this or, or you know, how do we how do we make sure we're inclusive with also making sure that we address what the Bible clearly defines. These are very tough issues, but the reality is when we move back and say, I'm not the bearer of morality. A lot of those issues become a lot easier for us to move in. And I don't want anyone to mishear me. Please don't mishear me. I'm not saying that we just accept everything and say, yep, that's okay, because there are things in the Bible that are clearly defined. But, you know, we can't sit there and go, you can't do that. But, okay, now we're going to have these uh, 10 uh, platters of uh, chicken wings and these 15 platters of this. And we're going to have all of these things so we can be gluttonous. And that's okay. Right. And so we need to make sure we're very careful in that morality. And I know I just spewed a whole lot there and I, I will stop. <laughs> That's why you're the guest. <laughs> but no, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, you, you know, it's this idea of because we carry a Bible and because we go to church like we've we've got the, the keys to it. Like we've got access to the, you know, the cave of secrets and all this other stuff. And it I wish we, I had access to the cave of secrets. <laughs> right. Our, our our faith was never about us being able to be the moral police. Like it was never about us to use as a weapon um, and as a tool to steer people and all this other stuff. You know, it was meant for our faith to be placed in God. It was meant for us to have a window into that this idea of righteousness and holiness and, and, and to be able to study his word and everything. But it, it, it's, it's more for our our, our personal faithful benefit for his glory than it is for us to use. Um, and and it, it's this interesting, I, I, th- I think really that's, if people were honest with themselves, they'd be more disappointed in themselves because a lot of people come to Christianity for the sake of the moral comfort and, and power that it gives them than anything. You know, I mean, it's the same idea that people have of, you know, certain people in authoritative places take that position, not because they want the authority to be able to help people or to do the right thing, but because they want authority. That's it. Some of the reason people come to faith is merely so that they have a, a, this, well, I, I go I go to church, you know, I believe in Jesus, so I can't be wrong. I can't be mean. I'm doing this for your own good. And I say, this is this way. And, you know, it's it's this weird, sinful nature that that we've kind of come to accept because the lines get blurred between morality and holiness all the time. Oh, I've been in church. I can assure you they can be mean and very mean. And 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 one of the issues that I constantly struggle with is trying to deal with people who are mean, trying to let them know you may not think you're being mean, but you're being mean. <laughs> you know, yeah. you you got to take some. It, it's it's hard for people who believe a certain way to really get to get there. And uh, and I'll dive into this. Right. Because this is kind of where this is where really when you dive into verse four, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear, fear no evil for you are with me for your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Right. Here's the thing. You know, Doug was talking about uh, Junaluska and the beautiful mountains. Now, when you go to Israel, it's not really mountains. I, I would call them hills. But, man, they're steep hills. Yep. And here's the thing. When you're in a valley, of course, and there's nothing out there when you go to this place that they call the valley of the shadow of death where the shadows will cover you. But you got to think when you're in a valley, you're totally exposed. 
everybody has the high ground. Guess what? We're going to Star Wars. I'm going to bring it to you, right? <laughs> what was Anakin's big problem? I have, I have the high ground, right? And Anakin was still too proud that he jumped, and, you know, that was the end. Who knows? Darth Vader could have actually had all of his, his limbs had he not done that. And so the reality is we, when we walk through that, we're exposed. And, and what the psalmist is saying, David is saying right there, even though I walk through this valley, you know, your rod and your staff comfort me. And you talked about the rod a little bit. And I read some pieces because I was watching it. And I'm like, well, really, what is the rod and the staff? And it was interesting if you read a lot about it or you t do some some research on it, I actually read that the rod was the, the walking stick part and the rod was the, the curvature part. And I don't know how accurate this person was. I don't know who it was on the you know, Internet. Who knows if they're accurate? But it was interesting about how they were saying that they would count the sheep when they walked through the crook, when they walked through the, the rod. You know, they were walking, they were being counted and God was counting them. God was making sure they were protected and guided because he was going. You could count on God to count you as worthy, to count you as righteous. And believe it or not, that is one of our doctrines. You know, we are justified by by grace through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which means we're declared righteous, even though it goes back to what we were saying, even though we have none. Right. We're declared that not because of anything we've done but because of what Jesus has done. And so that's a unique thing about that rod and the staff. I was actually going to go ask the, the pastor of my girl's school what he thought about it, because it's interesting how many people have a lot of different takes about what the rod and the staff actually mean and what the psalmist was meaning when he was saying this, because you talked about the rod kind of being this disciplinary aspect. Uh, yeah, we don't want to trifle with God um, at all. Um, but it doesn't mean that we use the rod to beat people, you know? And so I think, yeah. And, and so that's not what it's saying. It's when you, when you spare the rod, you spoil the child. It means that, you know, you're going to make sure you discipline the child. It doesn't mean you're going to beat the child and make sure that they, they, they grow up. And so I think those are important aspects. And like I said, you say I'm the guest, but man, I can monopolize a conversation quickly. Well, uh, you know, and, and I think we've even talked about it before because the, you know, there is this idea of, you know, uh, ministry leaders and all that being shepherds as well there you know there's this sort of um, Russian doll aspect of you know yes he is the shepherd king and then inside that is Jesus as as our good shepherd and then inside that is pastoral people they're the shepherds of the the church flock and blah 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 you know there's this transition to where sheep become shepherd at some point and all that other stuff but we've talked before about how like you know sometimes we are given authority in people's life to say things that are maybe a little bit more blunt because of our relationship with them. Um, you know, I wouldn't dare get on a, a street corner and claim and preach fire and brimstone to just everybody. And that might be weird to some people and that might disqualify me as a minister for some people, but I don't, I don't have the authority over every flock. Like I, I'm not everybody's pastor I'm, I'm not that many people's pastor at all anyway like you know i i know who i have authority over and 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 by that i mean i know who i can pull aside or or go out to coffee with and then ask them about their soul and 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 maybe make some observation you know maybe make some points of prayer and all that other stuff you know at the end of the day though that that's not me in any right being disciplinary you know f for the long haul it, it's more of this thing of like Hey, I know I can be firm with you and you'll be okay. You know, 
Um, yeah. It's like when I, I learned like, no, the mom, the mama cat is not hurting them when they pick them up by the nape of their neck. It's just like, no, I, like it, it's, it's actually good for them and everything. And so, but it, nothing about our faith is given to us for the sake of <laughs> beating people uh, and beating people with our, and, and you know, we, we were talking about Star Wars earlier and, and I mentioned just before coming onto this, I was having a conversation with someone about their opinions on the last Jedi episode eight for the uninitiated. And it was less about that. They didn't like episode eight. It was how they decided to say how they don't like it. And I think anytime you wish physical harm on a person because they made a film you don't like might be a little excessive. <laughs> and so, but you know, Christians fall into that all the time. Oh yeah. Um, we burn people at the stake, brother. Uh, we did. Oh, yeah. We, we oh, burn people I, at the stake. I, I, I know. Jesus, therefore I know what's right. And, you know, you're going to hell because you live this kind of lifestyle and all that other stuff. And we can't even get into the semantics of of the sin at that point, because, brother, you're you're in your own place of sin with that. Like where you're coming from is a place of sin. Do you really want that sheep, you know, sheep's well-being or do you just want to, you know, burn them, you know, for, for the sake of, well, they're wrong. It depends how I feel that day, John, really. I mean, honestly, I mean, let's just be honest. There are, there are days where I where you feel that way. But the thing about authority, my my big, I had to be careful. My father-in-law was a Southern Baptist evangelist. He's with the Lord now. He he he, he did pastor, and uh, he definitely was uh, a very good because you have to be honest about things as well. And so we have to be careful. I don't think that hellfire and brimstone is obviously a, a great tool. Relationship building is a great tool. And one of the things my father-in-law would always do when he would come and he would help us go out to tents, and, and lots of people would say they accepted Christ. Obviously, it's a lot deeper than that. And uh, we'll dive into this kind of uh, last little part of this, this, this passage. But you know, he would always say, you need to go find a church. You need to go find a pastor who will love you, who you're comfortable with, who you can build relationships with. And here's what it says. He says, you know, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And when we when we hear that, you got to think about it. Who were David's enemies? Like I sit there and I said, I was I was pondering what I was going to say tonight because I had no idea how this format was going to be. And I was like, you know, I don't have an enemy, but people I'm their enemy, if that makes sense. So as as a believer, you know, it says to love my enemies. And if I'm to love my enemies, then are they really my enemy? If I love them, the answer obviously is no. But when we profess Christ. There are going to be those who are going to attack us and they're going to define me as their enemy. And God gives us the opportunity. Now, this is this is bringing it into where we are. God gives us the opportunity to be at the table in the presence of our enemies. Now, obviously, we know what happened with David and Saul. We know kind of uh, this aspect. We know David had lots of enemies because the world was a lot different than we realized it was. They were all world conquerors back in David's day. They were all trying to take land. They were all trying to, to uh, do things, as you mentioned, the Crusades, Doug. They, that, that was going on. Everybody was doing it. Nobody wasn't – there's nobody who wasn't doing that. This, this, this notion that only certain people were doing that is just not a, a clear train of thought. and. The reality is that I don't have an enemy, but because I'm a Christian, there are going to be those who are going to persecute me and they're going to make me their enemy. But but there's more. 
my cup overflows. I love this. I did this illustration with kids all of the time and I show them. I was like, look, man, you know, when you get saved and I, I, I grab this uh, big bowl of water and I pour it into these cups, you get saved, you pray and the cup overflows and it's really good. But then I say, but then you help somebody, uh, uh, you know, then you get a little bit of persecution. And then all of a sudden that cup that's overflowing, guess what it is? It's empty. Mm. Right. You've got to keep being in God's word. You got to keep praying. It doesn't just end there. If you want that overflowing at this point in David's life, it was overflowing because God was constantly in relationship with him. But there was a time where David was mourning and in pain because of the sin, because he walked away from God. And I think it's very important to understand this. But still, goodness and loving kindness will follow him all of his all of his life. And he will be able to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, if only I can just dwell at the doorpost of the Lord in this world, man, how amazing would that be to be there? And I think that's an important scripture. I didn't know how much time we had left. So I was trying to get a mouthful in there. <laughs> oh no, we still got a few minutes. And I, I just want to rewind for a second. Uh, for, for me, I, I'm not, I'm not as deep as you two are, so I'm, I'm not theologian group, but for me, when, when I think of the word authority, everybody thinks about the fact that you're the guy in charge or you're the, you're the person in charge. But I also remember that the idea of authority, especially in a scriptural authority, is a responsibility for as well. It's not just, I'm the one that makes the calls. I'm the one that makes the final decisions. It's really not as much about that. It's more about the fact I have responsibility. I have authority over like a shepherd. The shepherd's not actually like, you know, beating sheep into the submission. He's guiding them. All this language we talked about for, I'm responsible for them. If one of them gets hurt, we, we know the story. If one of them gets lost, I'm going to leave everybody else. I'm going to go find that sheep because that's my responsibility. That's what it means to be an authority. And I think for me in ministry, sometimes it's, it's important for me to remember that I have to not lord it over people. I'm not their boss. I'm not their, their master. I'm not, well, if you come to our church, you realize really quickly, I'm not in charge. Uh, but I'm responsible for what happens, what, where those people oh. are going and I'm responsible for how they're getting there. So, you know, it, it's an important, it's, a, it's an important shift there from being somebody's master to being responsible for them. Okay. So there, there are several things, Doug, that I would, I would encourage you first, stop saying you're not a theologian, right? Anybody's at the, anybody who studies God is a theologian. Uh, degrees mean nothing, right? The study of God is all theology is. So if you're studying God, you're a theologian. Look, I, this may be a shock to you. You can be an atheist and be a theologian because all it is is studying God. And there are some great atheist theologians out there. They're all over the place. So you are a great theologian. You're a great man of God who does that. Second, I think it's very important that we understand. I was watching a video where a guy was talking about uh, how the pastor abused his authority. And what we have to understand is our authority, our authority, Doug, we do have authority because it's given to us by the Salvation Army. They say you're the core officer or you and your wife are the core officer. Now I realize both of our wives are in charge. So we'll, we'll leave that joke. <laughs> um, but the reality is we also need to read the Bible about what it says, because we when we preach God's word, when we do this thing and we say, hey, we, we're the we're the ordained minister like the Bible clearly says, hey, you're going to be judged harshly if you lead people astray. And Absolutely. so we have to be very, very careful in how we dissect God's word. It's why I'm always careful to say, look. This is what I believe. This is what I see it saying. But there's no way that I'm, I, I want to be arrogant. And believe it or not, I am a know-it-all. I'm a self-professed know-it-all. And so the, the issue is that we have to be very careful because what happens with know-it-alls is we tend to think we know it all and we tend to become overly righteous. And we tend to think that what we say is we go back to that. So authority is authority in, in scripture is not I get to I get to decide now. 
authority in the Salvation Army is, yeah, the Salvation Army, based on its church structure and everything else, when I say, hey, this is the program we're going to do and this is the time we're going to do it, I have the authority to do that. Now, people can choose to come or not. I have that authority. Now, I'm not going to say that's an effective means of creating people to right. buy in. I'm not saying that's a good leadership tactic. But what we have to understand is there's there's a distinction between what is given to us physically. All the authority I have in the church is by the Salvation Army. Today, I could get a phone call from uh, Colonel Airwood, and he said, Curtis, you're no longer a Corps officer. You're out, right? I have no home, no car, no nowhere to go. But but the reality is the authority is all given to me by the Salvation Army. Every aspect of the authority I have in the Salvation Army is given to me by leaders in the Salvation Army. And if you follow that whole line, it's it's the it's the exact same way. Even the general, he's elected. So nobody is um, nobody is exactly kind of this God ordained like this is the guy that you should always listen to because he is always right. But in our in our chain in the Salvation Army, it's okay. This is the leader that God has put in place because this guy got, you know, I don't want to call it an election, but you know how the high council works. And and then this guy has then placed these people as our authority. And so when someone speaks to me and they're an authority to me, I, there are times where I, I go, God, this person has got to be crazy. And then I do whatever they ask me to do, because that's that's the authority I'm supposed to obey. But spiritually, the authority is us taking God's word seriously and our authority, like what you were saying, Doug, about the, the people and shepherding the people, you are in charge of a flock. And I once told, and I once told a Rotarian when we were leaving and I said something to him and I said, I said something, he's like, I'm not your, I'm not one of your congregants. And I was like, I view you that way. You're one of my people because I'm talking to you. Absolutely. Well, we got a few minutes left here. Um, I guess a chance for some closing thoughts. Uh, John usually has a, a, a great mic drop moment here, so I'm sure he's been holding one in the bag. But uh, so let's. let's I want to know why thoughts. you dropped Nerd Alert on me and not him. That was kind of hurtful. <laughs> I wrote it for him, so it, it's happened oh. so often. There we go. You know, I, I got close, but his was really short. You went a little longer on your nerd alert, so you got yeah. a little longer. You know, so uh, any closing thoughts here? I mean, I, I guess here's my question about Psalm 23. Why is this so popular with people? Why is this such a popular uh, portion of scripture, or chapter, whatever you want to look at? I mean, obviously, we know that the original text didn't have a lot of chapter markers, but why is this portion of scripture uh, such a popular one for people? Any thoughts there as we close up? Are you asking me or John? Uh, both of you. But I mean, you, you, we'll, we'll go with the guest first. OK, so I think part of the reason and, and I think a lot of it is 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 misinterpretation, especially that valley of the shadow of death, because most people see it as I'm I'm walking through death. I, I believe it's popular because that's what they believe. They're about to go through from this side to the other side. And when they go from this world that is so wretched and poor, they're about to walk into these green pastures and these beautiful, quiet waters. I think that's why people find it popular. Um, and it is. And, and some of that is true. So I don't want to go. I hope I didn't just wreck everybody's life there and go, oh, my gosh. Um, You'll be getting an but, email later from my constituency. Yeah, yeah. There is there are some truths to that ideal. But I think that's why it's because it's comforting. The bottom line is. It's comforting. Even when your enemies are after you, even when anything's happening, you know, no matter what happens. And guess what? Goodness 
and kindness will follow me all the days of my life. I mean, I don't know how you can't do that. Now, obviously, there is no chapter. There was a chapter because it was a psalm. You got to go back to this. So this was different, right? Psalms are different than like if you're reading Hebrews or something else. So Psalm 23 is a psalm in of itself. It doesn't then flow into Psalm 24 or Psalm, you know, 22 doesn't flow into Psalm 23. So the psalm in of itself, that is, it just didn't have any verse. And so uh, it is a unique, it is a unique uh, passage of scripture that I think people really love because it's comforting. In the end, it's comforting. John, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's it's multifaceted. And I think in, in its purest form, it's because it's comforting to our, our faith walk. You know, it's a great glimpse into the character of God and how that relates to us. You know, on the flip side of that, I think in the wrong way, it's popular because it's very poetic and it sounds nice and it's good to quote. Uh, that's why it's used in movies and all this other stuff where it has literally no other context. Um, and so I, I think it's up there with uh, the likes of a lot of other very popular scripture where I think sometimes it's quoted so much it's not even really regarded for what it means. Um, but, you know, for for a lot of people, I do think it's that it's it's understood, it's felt, it's it's real. And there's a lot of people that can probably relate in very different ways uh in their in their faith walk in their life as to why god is their good shepherd why these verses are alive for them and everything um you know and i i think though any any scripture it can be siphoned of its power if we allow it if we just make it that thing we want to quote and make pretty and put on facebook and pretty images and all that other stuff you know i think when we we get to the heart of what uh is behind it um that's where the power really, really lies. That's where, you know, we really get something out of it and everything. And so I think some people even stay away from this because it's so popular. You know, it's like that TV show everybody's talking about. And you're just like, I, you know, I'm really interested in Game of Thrones, but I'm not going to watch it because everybody else is talking about it because we just want to be different. That's right. And That's so why some, I never made one of those avatars on Facebook. Right. Doing so that. Some, somebody's out there like, no, Psalm 712 is my favorite. You know, There's only 150 well, <laughs> Church people, man. So, yeah, but it's just like, why is that your favorite? Because it's not Psalm 23. Like, the, it, it's a powerful, it's a real, real psalm and everything. And that's why I watch Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know. I was just talking happens, about John Luke Picard today. Which Star Trek do you watch? The best oh. captain. Okay, well, there it is. Uh, so we got two minutes left. Thank you guys so much. For being here, this has been a great episode of Crosstalk. Uh, not that we have ever had a bad episode of Crosstalk, but it's been a great chance for us to be together and uh, to share. Uh, Major Kratz, I hope uh, maybe you can join us for a future broadcast, maybe another episode or another. Series. I would love it, man. I was sitting there going, I rarely get invited back. People invite <laughs> me to do messages and they never invite me back. I've never been invited back to any of my old core. I thought, man, I must have been horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, th- this this series you're in, you were recommended by somebody. Well, there we go. So somebody recommended, because we asked our guests from last season who they'd recommend to be on the show. So you're here because you're recommended by somebody. So, uh, Well, whoever that was, thank you. Thank you for hearing my cries about how no one invites me on anything. (laughs) So, but it's great to be here. Uh, We've got another great episode coming up next week. Uh, Next week we have who? Oh, next week. Who do we have next week? Oh, Cameron Henderson uh, from Florida will be with us. So we're excited about that. And then... On the 18th of February, we have Chris Thomas coming back from Valdosta. So uh, two more great uh, to 
teachers and sharers, and we're excited about that. But uh, Major Kratz, thank you so much for taking out your time. Thank you for taking time away from your beautiful girls. Please give them our love and well, tell well. Sarah we're, we 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 miss seeing her at Bible conference, and we um, hope the best for your family. Next time you're in Augusta, stop by. We have we have a we have a great we have a great cottage on the campus. We'd love to have your family stay with us, get you a couple day passes to the Croc Center, and you can enjoy all the riches of Augusta that we have because we'd love to spend some time with you. I there would you. tell you that your mug, your crosstalk mug, is in the mail, but we've only made one, so it's just not going anywhere. So there. When well, I said my sponsorship, you know, my, yeah, my fifteen dollars for you know half a well, season, you know. And I have to say, I do have my nerd herder button, so I did get buttons and stickers when I did. So, uh, so I'm, I'm very proud. Uh, so John is always always awesome to share this with you. And uh, if you don't have a place to worship, you're in the Augusta area, we'd love to have you come to the Salvation Army, 1833 Broad Street, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Or you can always join us online if you're feeling COVID unfriendly. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure if you live in New Bern, North Carolina, there's a great place there at the Salvation Army. And I'm sure a major is Curtis. And we, and we do live stream and we even do conference calls for people who want to chime in and say amen and hallelujah. All you got to do is that. just message me. Yeah. We don't even do yeah. that. So look at that getting, getting all fancy. So as yeah. we close up here, Major Crafts, would you close in prayer? And Without a doubt. For being here and God bless everybody and have a wonderful evening. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for uh, your uh, Psalm in uh, 23. Uh, we thank you for uh, Doug and John. We thank you for the wonderful time that we had conversating about Psalm 23. We thank you that we can continue to learn God's word. And I pray for the guests who will be coming in the coming weeks, Lord, that people can dive deeper into your words. And, and the Psalms are so beautiful and, and grandiose. There's the, the lamenting and the, the the rejoicing and and the comforting, Lord, that they're all there. And we pray that people can see all the aspects of the Psalms and the psalmist who wrote them in your name. Amen. Well, it's Amen. been a blast. Everybody have a wonderful evening. Thank you.